Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to AOA. Folks, it is Friday, and to be sure, it is Friday the 13th, so be careful out there. We've got a lot to talk about on today's program. We're going to be speaking with Jim Sutter, CEO of the U.S. Soybean Export Council here in just a minute. He's in Washington, D.C., celebrating an important anniversary. He'll give us those details in a moment. And then in segment two, Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing will be on the program. He was watching that WASDE report from USDA very closely and now he's had a little bit of time to digest the numbers and he'll be joining to share his insights on what to expect with the market as these numbers get digested by the trade and then in segment three i'm excited we're going to talk about the buy american provisions in the infrastructure bill dan pfeiffer the vice president of government affairs at itron will be on the program and these buy american rules while well intended might be due for a modernization ahead of the rollout of all of these infrastructure funds that are going to be coming out here shortly dan will share his thoughts on how we could make that system function a little bit better so without further ado let's talk to jim sutter he joins us from washington DC. Jim, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. My pleasure, Mark. Happy to be with you. Let's talk. You were in D.C. for an important anniversary this week. What was it? Yes, it was the uh, 10th anniversary of the U.S.-Columbia Trade Promotion Agreement. In other words, it's a, it's a free trade agreement between U.S. and Colombia, uh, and it was great. It was uh, a big celebration. Uh, I also had the, I had the opportunity to be, just as I was starting my work for the for USEC, the U.S. Soybean Export Council, I was at this, the, the kickoff of this in Bogota. We had sort of an event to help launch it. And now 10 years later, to see the progress that has been made has been really good. You know, if I call out a few of the great examples of things that have happened, U.S. soy, soybean meal specifically, exports to Colombia have, have gone up by five times since the free trade agreement came into place. U.S. ag exports overall have tripled in that time. Uh, Colombia has become the number three market for U.S. soybean meal with that growth we've seen. And it's all to feed their growing per capita demand for meat. Their per capita consumption of meat's gone up 33% from 22 to 30 kilos per capita in that 10-year period. So it's really been a great opportunity. That is very fascinating. And to see 5X growth in U.S. soy exports, that is phenomenal. Jim, as you've been talking to these folks from Colombia over this past week, do they think that level of growth can persist, at least here over the medium term? Yes. You know, they are quite optimistic that their growth will continue. Uh, they see more room for growth in their own country. They think people still have the, the capacity and the desire to consume more meat. But they're also becoming uh, exporters, which is something new for them. Uh, one example I will give is aquaculture. In tilapia, they are the largest supplier of fresh, aqua, uh, fresh tilapia coming into the U.S. You know, the U.S. is a big uh, seafood aquaculture product importer. So I'm quite happy, actually, to see a country that we've grown our shipments to being a supplier back to the U.S., they are also looking at becoming a supplier of poultry products, possibly to the U.S. chicken wings. You know, we consume more chicken wings than we can produce here. And also poultry products to other countries in, uh, in the Americas region. So I do think there is continued growth there. And Jim, I want to zoom out a little bit. You mentioned the, the potential in all of the Americas. We've seen strong demand for U.S. soy over the past year, broadly from Latin America through Central America and South America. Do you think that's going to continue? What's the state of the economies down there uh, south of the border? You know, I think the economies are all, you know, so, so it's a little like the U.S. economy. I think the economy is doing pretty well. There were, people are worried about inflation. People are worried about where the economy is headed, but in the here and now, I think generally it's pretty good. I was involved in a meeting yesterday with some people from Venezuela, actually. It was a, a Zoom meeting. The people were in Venezuela and I was in the U.S., uh, but they were talking about how they are really seeing a change and in increasing demand to Venezuela. So I, I throw that out as an example because I think even a country that has, been as, uh, has had as many challenges as they've had 
is continuing to grow its demand. We see in our big market down in the Americas is Mexico, and we continue to see good solid growth there as well. So Mark, I'm optimistic about continued growth in the Americas as long as economies can keep chugging along as they are. That is the key. You got to have demand there to spur growth forward. And one place we are seeing demand, Jim, and I know you're already aware of this today, is India. They have moved into the market. What's your take longer term as you look at that entire Indo-Pacific region? Well, we are very excited about the future potential of India. Now, future potential is uh, something we have to keep in mind is that it's likely not to be tomorrow, but it's going to be big in years to come. Our organization has been doing work in India for over 20 years, trying to help improve the production capacity of their poultry and their aquaculture industries. And we've started, as you said, we've seen an opening up of the market. This is the second year in a row when they've opened a window for soybean meal imports to come into India. And that is really important. Our team in India has been working with them for some time, trying to explain to them, educate them on how this would make sense for them. And it's so, it's so gratifying to see the government of India doing this. So we are optimistic that that country will continue to grow. And likewise, throughout Asia, I think there's a good opportunity to see continued growth throughout the Indo-Pacific uh, region. The work that the U.S. government is doing trying to bolster our relations with countries there through the Indo-Pacific strategy that they're working on, I think can do nothing but, uh, but help us to have closer relations. You know, we started talking about Colombia and the example of how that free trade agreement has helped us grow markets, we'd like to see more of those happening, but at least close working relationships in other countries to help us grow. Jim, looking out over the summer, potentially into the fall here of 2022, is there the possibility mm -hmm. that we could see more free trade agreements either get signed or at least get into the serious negotiation phase? Well, I think uh, the country you mentioned, India, is one where there is certainly some uh, uh, the starts of discussions on that going on. So I think that's one that will continue to grow and continue to, uh, there will continue to be discussions. And I think there certainly is uh, the desire from other countries to have closer working relationships with the U.S. You know, I, I don't think we'll probably, being totally realistic, I don't think we'll get any signed between now and the end of the year. We're coming into our election season. And, uh, you know, not that I'm involved too much in what happens in Washington, but watching from my perspective, I think things just tend to kind of slow down and the election takes over all activities. So, but we can certainly, our teams around the world and the FAS people we work with can be putting, doing some of the groundwork. But I think there are several countries that would be interested in having free trade agreements with the U.S. when we get into a position to be able to start negotiating in earnest on those. And hopefully that comes sooner rather than later. Jim, have you heard any possibility of getting a U.S. trade rep ag negotiator named soon? You know, I've just read the same uh, stories that you've probably read. I continue to hear uh, that there is someone in the works and that uh, what, what I have heard is that the industry, that all of us who are involved in watching this carefully will be very interested to see who it is and will be happy when we do. So I look forward to that day. Indeed, we will. That's Jim Sutter, CEO of the U.S. Soybean Export Council. Jim, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everybody. And folks, stick around. Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing will join us after the break to break down yesterday's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates from USDA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Most folks just stick with the diesel engine oil they know, because why sweat the details? But you don't. You're one of those who'd make the switch, and we're talking to you. Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. While the others experience wear and tear, you give complacency a kick in the pants. Cenex Maxtron Diesel Engine Oils, oil that runs smart. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me. 
You don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. One of the higher risk aspects of farming is crop protection application. With label changes, regulations, equipment maintenance, and drift management, it's a lot of risk. And a great way to manage it is to rely on your local FS and FS crop applicators. They constantly train to keep up with the latest label changes, regulations, and best practices. So your crop is protected and risks reduced. Contact your local FS to learn more about our custom application programs. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Experts agree, using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC has a synergistic effect with HPPD inhibitors and enhances atrazine with fast results. Tough 5EC is in stock and ready to ship. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. Taking a look at the markets on this Friday, we've got a little bit of weakness in corn. New crop down just shy of two cents. Old crop down six. Beans, a little bit of strength following yesterday's report. Up 11 to 19 cents here across the contracts. And wheat finding a little bit of a sell-off today. Not surprising after the moves this week. To help us make sense of everything that's happening here in the commodity markets is Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing up in Britain, South Dakota. Dwayne, thanks for joining us today. Hey there, Dwayne, we get John. All right, folks, bear with us. It seems like we are having some connection issues. We'll have our production staff working to get Dwayne connected there. And uh, in the meantime, we are going to be talking about the WASDE report, yesterday's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates. And uh, they they had some surprises considering the time of year, considering it was May. Dwayne will bring all those to us in just a second once we get him back on. And uh, folks, while we're talking to Dwayne, of course, he is in Britain, South Dakota. In segment four today, we are going to be talking about what's happening weather-wise. South Dakota, I don't know if you've seen social media folks outside the plains, but South Dakota, southeastern South Dakota was ravaged by thunderstorms yesterday. And then North Dakota continues to deal with flooding. Rich Risfit will be joining us later in the program to break that down. Let's see, we've got Dwayne, you with us now? Hey there, Dwayne, we get you back on? All right, folks, we're still having some troubles here. I apologize. Stick around, Dwayne. We're we're talking. It's he's making it work, and we'll uh, we'll get him connected here in just a second. In the meantime, folks, I do want to circle back to those to the, the some of the weather events that have been happening. Uh, 
between the fires in Nebraska and Kansas and Oklahoma and Colorado, between the tornadoes that have struck the southern to southeastern United States and other places around the country. These challenges are huge. And now we've coupled that with the severe weather across southeast South Dakota. Uh, and of course, the, the ongoing flooding in North Dakota, the planting delays that continue to pile onto this crop. Remember earlier on in the year, or excuse me, earlier on in the week, it was expected that this was going to be a big week for planting across the country. And no doubt we'll end up making quite a bit of progress given the, the size of the American farming equipment anymore and some of the opportunities that they've got to get stuff into the field. They can move quick when it dries down enough, but it is always a struggle. Let's see, we're gonna check in, Dwayne. Dwayne, we get you back. All right, we're still working with Dwayne, but there's another story that is connected to agriculture. And it's one that ag hasn't been brought in on in the headlines quite yet, but I am sure that is coming. And that's the baby formula shortage. No doubt over the past couple of days, you've seen these headlines. Perhaps if you're a listener with a new child, you have been grappling with trying to find baby formula for a while. This has been coming on for some time. Well, lawmakers in the U.S. House are going to hold a hearing sometime in May. Date remains to be seen on the shortages of infant formula, and we'll see what kind of information the House can get out. All right, we're going to check in and see if we've got Dwayne back. Dwayne, are you with us? I'm here, finally. I promise uh, we had some nasty storms, but I am still here. The office is still upright. Uh, I don't know what happened to the phones this morning. I apologize about that. That is okay, Dwayne. Let's talk world agricultural supply and demand estimates. Headlines out yesterday. What was your big takeaway? What were some of the big facts that jumped out at you? Uh, probably the biggest one is the HRW crop uh, sharply lower than the trade was anticipating, and that led to the big rally in the wheat market. That combined with USDA um, trying to handle the Ukraine situation, there's still probably 730 million bushels too high on Black Sea wheat exports, and I think the market knows that, so that's why the big rally came from. Then also the shocking thing for me was uh, lowering that corn yield to 177, which I suppose shouldn't be a shock, but I just, uh, I'm impressed USDA is trying to stay ahead of it and lower the yield right away instead of kicking the can down the road. Yeah, Dwayne, that yield drop kind of caught me by surprise. When was the last time that we saw USDA drop yield this early in the year? It's been it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a very long time. The last time they moved it at all from the Outlook Forum off of Trendline is 2013. And then when you go back and do research and like, yep, 2013 was a very late planning season too, and they did drop it a little bit lower. It's just it's just hard to predict a national yield yet because I'm actually lowering the, the amount of corn acres that are going to be planted in lower yielding states like North Dakota and maybe northern South Dakota and, and hoping and assuming it got increased in some of the I states due to the higher prices. So actually, I got my national average back above 180. Interesting. Interesting. Dwayne, what's your take on prevent plant? As you look across the Dakotas, we're probably going to see an increase, don't you think? That's just it. My my yield may have gone up, but my ending stocks are lower than USDA's current forecast because of what you just mentioned, Mike. I think we've got to take some acres off. Um, I, How many is, of course, the big question, and that's up to weather over the next couple of weeks, but we just cannot catch a break from anywhere from Highway 212 in South Dakota, which will run through Watertown, South Dakota, north all the way to Canadian border. We just can't seem to get out in the field, and it, the forecast doesn't look good either. I kept thinking it's going to change, it's going to come around, and it hasn't yet. So you start taking a tight corn and soybean situation or spring wheat and start reducing acres, and uh, then my bullhorn start to grow again, Mike. So I had like a week and a half there of being a bear, and I'm starting to be a bull again already. Well, speaking of bullish news, did we get any insight out of the Brazil corn crop, Dan? Or excuse, excuse me, Dwayne. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, the Brazil corn crop, I thought due to drought, we were going to decrease that size. But I'm, I like that Conab came out and basically said we would have, but we actually gained more acres planted in there than expected, which makes sense. The price was high at the time, so they pushed the planters. They had good conditions. So that's going to be a steady crop there. Uh, but then when you look at new crop, you know, we are expecting Ukraine production to be down, their exports to be sharply lower. That means even if China buys a little less, they're still going to have to come to the U.S. or Brazil to buy more corn in 2023. 
Dwayne, over on the soybean front, we've got big moves today in old crop beans. USDA did raise the exports by 25 million bushels here in the old crop. Is that what's driving the strength in that sector of the market today? Yeah, I think it is. That confirmed with a China purchase of U.S. beans again. They bought some all-old crop this morning in a U.S. day flash. So they bought beans today. They bought corn yesterday. So that makes you stop and think that even at these high prices, we're still not rationing demand, which is hey, that's a big thing to, to remember here when we're trying to predict price and direction here, that uh, we might, if we have these prevent prep, problems I'm mentioning, we might have to go up high enough to ration that export demand. And I, I don't know where that price is. Let's just say higher. And, and if we're right on just that, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, could, could be much higher because we really have not seen much of a drop in demand as of yet. Have we? No, no, we haven't. That's that's what's amazing. You know, I'm going to start to shift my focus mostly to like the the new crop contracts. So like these corn at, at the 750 area, we obviously haven't seen any rationing there. Is it eight? Is it ten? I mean, do do we have to go to something like that to see China cancel old crop purchases, things like that? I, I don't. I don't know what it is. Whenever you're rationing demand, it's just kind of a throw a dart at the board type thing. But it's we, we know it's higher than this. And, and I guess when it comes to picking price direction, it just higher and lower is job number one. We shouldn't try to pick targets because I end up off by two cents and somebody reminds me of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the worst kind of days when you're just off by a little bit. Dwayne, over in the soybean side, USDA is anticipating record large new crop soybeans, 4.64 billion bushels yield at one fifty one and a half. Is that where your head's at? Uh, no, sadly, I'm taking a few acres off of there, too. How many, of course, like I mentioned before, I'm throwing that disclaimer. I just don't know yet, but I mean, it. I've got guys that are saying they're going to plant corn into June because they've got cash contracts. I've got spring wheat guys in northern North Dakota saying, hey, we'll, we'll plant spring wheat into June. That doesn't leave much of a window for, okay, let's go ahead and plant beans. So I think bean acres are down as well. So that takes that tight ending stock of 310 USDA gave us yesterday, and I'm dipping it down closer to 200 if, if we uh, got a decrease in yield. And Boy, that, that's a bullish story here. So like I said, that's, that's why the bullhorns are growing a little bit today for me here. But, you know, it, it, it's a weather market. Maybe Sunday night the forecast is great for the northern plains and, and everything looks okay. I mean, the I-States are looking pretty good and, and rolling now. So maybe that's why we're seeing a little pressure on the corn market today. Yeah, do you have a sense on what to expect for planting progress on Monday? Boy, not really. I'm probably a bad guy to ask. I haven't even hooked up the tillage equipment yet. They got my tractor plant uh, parked right outside my window, and it, it's making me very jealous and almost tearing up here. <laughs> I want to go plant, but it'll be higher, but uh, I don't think it's going to be as much as the trade is hoping. All right, that makes sense, given the wacky weather over this past week. Dwayne Bussey of Bolt Marketing, thanks so much for taking the time to give us your insight today. Absolutely, anytime, Mike. And folks, stick with us. Dan Pfeiffer of ITRON will be with us after the break to discuss the Buy American provisions in the new infrastructure bill. Stick around on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. 
You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Got a private export sale of 132,000 metric tons of old crop soybeans to China announced this morning. That seems to have given us a bit of a pop here in the soy market so far this morning. While corn and wheat are fairly mixed, maybe some profit taking in the wheat market here early after uh, yesterday's WASDI report, which uh, that WASDI report very subtly fed the bulls, although wheat traders would probably argue the subtle part of that statement. We saw uh, contract highs in many contracts in wheat yesterday with sharp gains there. USDA's hardbred winter wheat estimate came in 95 million bushels below the average trade guess. Now, we watch all the drought problems in the plains and also planting delays and emphasis on those in the northern plains. Combine that with USDA's numbers for Ukraine and some of the other challenges around the world, and it does make a very bullish story for the wheat markets. Now, traders will continue to digest yesterday's reports here today. Also going to be watching the weather forecast, more planting delays in the northern plains, severe weather in the northwestern belt there last night with impressive pictures on social media of that big dust wall, that outflow from that storm system and damage in many parts of the region. Hopefully everyone is safe, but planting delays will continue. Also watching closely to see what Monday's crop progress report shows for planting progress in other parts of the belt that we're able to get in this week. Right now, July core down four, 787 and a half. Soybeans, July 15 and a half higher, 1629 and a quarter. Bean meal, bean oil up moderately. July Chicago wheat, six and a quarter lower, 1172 and a half. July KC wheat down one and a half, 1268 and a half. Spring wheat, July one higher, 1317. Lean hogs, June up 60, 9807. June live cattle down two, 131.62. Crude oil up 238 a barrel, 108.51. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for tuning in to AOA today, ladies and gentlemen. Last year, Congress passed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. That's that bipartisan infrastructure bill that's going to push $1.2 trillion into infrastructure improvements around the country. Now, all of those progr programs and projects must comply with a host of federal rules and requirements, including a requirement that 55% of the project be components which are made in America. But there's discussion over which components count towards that percentage, and there's a wonder if there might be a smarter way to approach the utilization of American-made goods in these projects. Well, joining me today is Dan Pfeiffer. He's the Vice President of Government Affairs at ITRON. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here, Mike. Let's get started. Tell us, if you would, what does ITRON do, and how did this Buy American issue get on your radar? Well, just for, for reference, ITRON is a publicly traded company. We're based in eastern Washington, a global company with uh, roughly 6,000 employees, 2,400 domestic employees, and roughly half of those are in manufacturing. We've got factories in rural uh, Minnesota, rural South Carolina. Um, we are uh, a technology company that provides uh, uh, products and solutions to help utilities and municipalities cities uh, um, deliver energy and water services. Uh, our portfolio of projects, uh, of products, 
smart meters, smart communications, the radio, software analytics, um, um, you know, the meter on the side of your house, if you go out there and look at it, some chance that that water or gas or electric meter came from ITRON. Um, uh, regarding this Buy America policy you talked about, we're, uh, we're very interested. Uh, we have very substantial manufacturing, yet there's some concerns that the way um, the federal government is interpreting uh, what it means to be made in America uh, would leave a lot of uh, manufacturing jobs out in the cold. Uh, currently, um, the government calculates uh, domestic content, that 55% number you mentioned, only by the cost of components, hardware components, uh, resistors, capacitors, uh, diodes, um, and largely does not look at other things like uh, software and firmware. Um, uh, the engineering, the R&D went behind those. So that we think there's a lot of value left uh, on, on, uh, on the table. And we're working with the administration to see if we can um, make sure that this Buy America rule uh, that is very important and most of the industry supports it, we just need time and flexibility to get to it. Well, that's the thing, time and flexibility. We've heard time and time again over the past two years about the disruptions in the supply chain globally and domestically. Dan, as these build-outs are set to get started here around the country, what type of parts shortages or project delays could we experience with, with the current interpretation of the rules? Well, I mean, our, our main message, uh, I don't know the specific number. I mean, Bloomberg has some data out there that suggests the uh, component 26-week uh, 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 um, delays in getting components. I'm not sure what, what our exact figures are, but the, the, the overall message point to the administration is it's a very complex and strained global supply chain uh, today. Uh, please don't add to that burden with this, uh, you know, very noble Buy America policy, which would further constrain the process. I mean, we have uh, we have people that are they're scrolling the earth looking for figurative uh, thousand screws to keep a factory open next Thursday. Let's not add to that complexity. Uh, it's going to take time for the administration. Um, this global supply chain is a mighty big ship. It's going to take time to to change. We just can't do it overnight. So we're asking for. Uh, you know, the time it's going to take, and then some flexibility in interpreting by America. And we think um, there's some lessons learned from the Obama administration. Uh, for example, there's a rule called substantial transformation that uh, is currently not being applied, but the Obama administration used it where the government doesn't care where components and subcomponents come from. As long as you take those components and make something substantially different, you substantially transform those components into a different product, in our case, a smart electricity meter, uh, then that, that product is now deemed domestic, even if it came with uh, components that were offshore. So that's that I think is a compelling part that people, me at least out here in the countryside, didn't realize that if I buy an electrical meter from ITRON, it, it might not under the current rules count as American made because the resistors and, and the little electronic bits are still made in Southeast Asia. Dan, how would including software in the Buy American rules change the equation? Well, it, it, there is so much value in a product, but in our case, there is a lot more value um, behind the software and firmware. And firmware is just the type of software that's attached to the physical device. It makes the product run, um, not unlike your smartphone. Um, uh, but they it would increase the, the value that was getting counted towards that 55%. Uh, currently, uh, the 55% is only calculated by the uh, uh, the cost of hardware components, not uh, we don't look at the software or firmware or engineering behind uh, all the all the code that goes into these products. And if we added that, and uh, because most of that is developed domestically, um, I, I think everybody would have an easy time hitting the fifty five percent threshold. Dan, as you've been working with the utilities that you're partnered with around the country, what sort of concerns have they expressed as, as this infrastructure money is prepared to roll out? Are they prepared for delays and bottlenecks just due to the overall economic issues we're grappling with in this country? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, they're already experiencing uh, delays. So I think uh, one of the challenges for us is that we, we just don't want to make those delays worse. So the, the supply chain crisis will eventually right itself. And uh, we're hoping the administration um, can, can help us not, uh, not 
complicate that global supply chain. It can make it easier. You know, utilities are in a challenge. Uh, they, um, um, uh, it, well, for lack of a better word, aging utility infrastructure is going to keep doing one thing. It's going to keep aging towards its useful life. Uh, you know, weather is going to continue to get tougher, uh, whether it's uh, flooding or hurricanes or tornadoes or out west wildfires. Uh, you know, new technology, new infrastructure comes with a certain hardening that will help us manage those the weather events. So we're just hoping the administration uh, sees the good. We understand that increasing the domestic manufacturing is a very good objective, but we, there's all these other good objectives they have, uh, you know, uh, better serving underserved uh, communities, not just in cities, but in rural, rural America, uh, lowering carbon, increasing uh, uh, electric vehicles and renewables, et cetera. So uh, we think we're going to be successful in getting some flexibility in the time we need to alter this by America rule. And that was my next question. Dan, how have conversations gone with this administration? And do you have a sense of a timeline as to when they could maybe express some of this flexibility? Well, we're expecting um, the funding announcements to start coming out of the agency, Department of Transportation, Department of Ag, Department of Energy, uh, sometime this summer. Um, the Office of Management and Budget put out some guidance. Uh, the guidance, unfortunately, was silent on uh, this substantial transformation role. It did it did articulate a waiver process where somebody could get a waiver on a particular project. Got some concerns around that. Um, you know, if these deployments for uh, our technology go for three, four years, getting a one-year waiver on a three to four-year project is not going to be very meaningful. Um, but you know, we're 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 getting uh, we're, we're uh, you know the administration is running hard. They're, they're, you know, I think uh, Department of Energy was going to hire a thousand people to administer their portions of this 2,700-page infrastructure law. So they're they're running behind. Uh, we think we're going to have success, um, uh, but at the moment we still have some uncertainty around this substantial transformation, whether or not the high-value functions of our product, like software and firmware, are going to be included. Boy, that would sure be helpful if they would get those up. It brought make the pie larger so that 55% was a little bit easier target to hit. Dan, as you think, big picture with the rollout broadly with all of this infrastructure uh, funding, you mentioned the rollout's going to start coming over the summer. As we get into 2023-2024, will this $1.2 billion continue coming out in chunks, I guess is my question? Yeah, yes. So unlike the stimulus bill from a dozen years ago, this money is spread out over five years, including the current fiscal year. 60% of that money will be what they call formulaic money, money that goes to the states and subsequently gets allocated to municipalities and cities and counties. Um, um, but that money is, is structured to go out over a five-year fiscal year period. Um, um, and so this, this will take some time. We don't expect a lot of money hitting the street until uh, 2023, but uh, people are going to start applying uh, for competitive grants. The other 40% of the 1.2 trillion, um, probably later uh, in the fourth fourth quarter. Okay, so it will be coming. It will be kind of a a drip, but a 1.2 trillion dollar drip that could do a lot of good modernizing the infrastructure around this country. Dan, before we let you go, if we've got listeners who want to make sure our, our tax dollars are being used efficiently as this rollout happens, how can they get in touch or comment on this issue and and make it a, a more widely known? Yeah, if you go to uh, you know whitehouse.gov or if you if they search uh, infrastructure.gov you'll get to the, uh, the many government sites. And from there, you can go to specific agencies like Department of Ag. Maybe your audience cares about the, you know, the rural utility services part of Ag. But there's, uh, if you go to the whitehouse.gov site, you will find uh, a prominent uh, infrastructure, uh, and that'll, that'll, that'll bleed you into any number of agencies. Fantastic, folks. Check that out. It is great to support American manufacturing, but let's support it in a way that also makes the rest of the economy vibrant as well. We've been talking to Dan Pfeiffer, the Vice President of Government Relations at ITRON. Dan, thanks for joining us today. All right. And folks, stick with us. Rich Risvet of the American Ag Network will join us with an update on Dakota weather when we return. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Less isn't always more. Take managing a fleet, for instance. You need a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. And that's exactly what you get with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Roadmaster XL even adds more life to your fuel system's injectors and injector pumps. That's a lot more than we can say about typical number two diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, Soil Date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. I guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit FSGoldStandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> a heads up before something bad happens. You should not send that text. Uh-oh. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can reverse pre-diabetes and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for tuning in today to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a slow start to the planting season across much of this country for many, many growers. But across the central plains, the past two or three months have not just been frustrating, they've been downright dangerous. Whether it's fires, as we mentioned, across Nebraska, Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas, and Texas, or it's flooding up in North Dakota, or it's severe weather. We mentioned yesterday severe weather rolled through South Dakota do have a few more details. Volga, South Dakota clocked over 100 mile an hour winds. Tornado touchdown in Castlewood, South Dakota destroyed the school, several homes, and in Sioux Falls, officials have confirmed that one person died during the severe weather event. Folks, if you're on Twitter, if you're on social media, keep an eye out for pictures and videos of this storm working its way across southeastern South Dakota. Those incredible winds coming during planting sign when so much spring tillage had been done meant that this really looked like a, a, a picture from the Dust Bowl, a massive wall of dust rolled across southeastern South Dakota, uh, terrifying people. Some of these videos, it goes from day to night as this dust storm rolls overhead, absolutely staggering images. So our thoughts and prayers, of course, go out to our friends in South Dakota as they rebuild during a challenging time of year. And as we get more information on perhaps rescue or financial assistance programs to help out not just South Dakota growers, but those folks all across the country who have been struggling, we'll bring those up on this program. Earlier in the show, when we were talking to Dwayne Bussey, he mentioned the standstill that farmers are at from Highway 212 north well into the Canadian Prairie, in fact, all the way to Winnipeg, and that's a standstill due to the rainfall. Richard Risfit is the farm and ranch reporter for the American Ag Network, and he was up in northeast North Dakota here yesterday taking a look at the flooding. Richard, thanks for joining us today. Well, hey, Mike, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Let's talk about what you saw. Where'd you go in Northeast North Dakota and what did it look like? Well, I was in the uh, Cavalier Pembina area and it, there is plenty of water out there. We certainly don't need any more at the moment. Uh, most of the water I saw in Standing Fields was uh, about 20 miles north of Grand Forks. They, those were plumb full and right to the top, right to the roads. As you got a little further north, uh, you did see some drying out. However, it, they are dealing with three rivers up there. They've got the Red River, which breaks off into the Pembina River, which then breaks off into the Tongue River. And those folks have been, uh, before the National Guard came out there, to uh, 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 re, uh, put some backing into some to that dam up there. They have been out there sandbagging their own homes even because of that overland flooding. It's... Uh, it is wet. We're going to probably see a lot of prevent plant up there. We don't know quite how much we're going to see, but uh, certainly there will be some. And those planting dates are coming up. You know, we've got, I think, corn is the 25th. I think wheat is the 31st and then other crops into the, the next month. But it's going to be a struggle to get the seeds in the ground. It certainly is. And, and that's true, really, across the entirety of the state. Rich, as you think about the flooding in the Red River Valley, does it work its way all the way down to Fargo or is it predominantly up there in that area you mentioned around Grand Forks? Oh, no, we have got some flooding in Fargo, too. The Red River is uh, high. In fact, I saw that uh, our bridges are now collecting a lot of the uh, a lot of the down logs and whatnot. And so it's right up to the bottom of the bridges. And I mean, it may be going over here soon, too, with all the wetness that we have coming up in the future. Oh boy, more rain in the forecast. Richard, we hope things turn around up there and those growers can get out in the field before too long. Thanks for the update here. Well, thank you for having me. And folks, we'll be coming to next week, rather, I should say, with a lot more news and information. I do want to highlight something. If you are an investor, folks, cryptocurrencies have been in the news over the past two or three days because their prices have collapsed. Bitcoin is down well over 50% from its highs. We're seeing similar stories in the other constellation of cryptocurrencies. And you might be hearing me discuss cryptocurrencies and think, why is he talking about this on a farm radio show? Well, an interesting fact about cryptocurrencies is that the legislative oversight for those financial assets actually comes 
through the Senate and House Ag Committees. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are classified as commodities, so oversight falls under the Ag Committees. Well, crypto growing a lot more in popularity, certainly pricking up people's attention. And so the ranking member of the House Ag Committee, Glenn G.T. Thompson, will be joining me next Wednesday here on the program. He has a bill coming out. He has written, he has floated it, and now he's trying to promote it. This is going to be a bill that really provide some oversight and some regulatory certainty to that cryptocurrency space. And it's just fascinating to me that it's coming from the Ag Committee utilizing a lot of the same tools and techniques that they use when they're taking a look at commodity prices. So that is something that will be coming next week. Do be sure to tune in. We'll talk to Glenn, well, both about the cryptocurrency bill and we'll probably pick his brain a little bit on the farm bill as that discussion gets closer and closer to heating up. Before I let you go, I did just want to make mention because Ukraine was brought up in yesterday's USDA report, there have been a lot of questions about how much commodities, how many how many tons of commodities Ukraine is going to actually be able to ship given the blockade that is happening on their ports on the Black Sea. And it was announced, in fact, uh, well, overnight, I should say, by the Ukrainian Ag Minister, that as of right now, the Ukrainians are only anticipating themselves to be able to export one and a half million metric tons of grain a month. Now, this is in contrast to pre-war, back when their ports weren't blockaded, the Ukraine was capable of exporting a little over five million metric tons a month. So we have seen their output reduced really down to about a quarter of where it was pre-war. And that is going to continue to put pressure on the global supply chains to figure out how we can best maximize the time and the the grains that are out there. We heard Dwayne Bussey mention it earlier today. We are going to see demand destruction at some point. But the question is, at what price will that demand destruction get started. We'll continue to track that here on AOA and bring you more insight as time goes on. On Monday, we'll be speaking with Jackie Fatka of Farm Progress about policy in Washington, D.C. John Baranek will join us to talk weather. And Iowa's senior Senator Charles Grassley will be on the show. We'll get an update on the cattle market bill and all the other things that are happening in Washington, D.C. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today, folks. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it, and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration.